0: Hi, I'm Ellen Kanner, Soulful Vegan, and I am with SoFlow Vegans.
1: Hey, everybody, welcome back to the SoFlow Vegans podcast. I'm your host and founder of SoulFlow Vegans, Sean Russell. On this episode, we're featuring Ellen Kanner, who we've had an opportunity to meet multiple times throughout our journeys. Here in South Florida And one of the coolest part of it is that she is a resident of South Florida And speaks specifically to the topics and you know areas that impact our community But on top of that, she has an impressive background that we go into during this episode So make sure you check it out, you listen And we have a little bit of a bonus We started with the last episode and we're continuing with this one We have a special clip from a previous podcast that you get to check out. So stay all the way to the end to hear that out. And you can also just look at the the, the description in the show notes to see who it is as well. And at the end, we'll be giving you some more information about SoFlo Vegans and how you can get involved. Because our mission is to help make South Florida a global hotspot for veganism. And the only way we can make that happen is with your support. So check that out at the end as well and enjoyed today's episode.
0: You are listening to the So Slow Vegans Podcast.
1: All right, so thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me. We've had an opportunity to talk on several occasions throughout the year. I mean, throughout the last couple of years, actually. So tell, for people who may not be familiar, can you introduce yourself and let us know a little bit about your, your background with the vegan community?
0: Absolutely. My name is Ellen Canner. Um, I am the Soulful Vegan. And I know it sounds a little cheesy at first, but I really think that's it for me, because I, I think there's so much more to, to food than, you know, a great meal. I think this year has shown us that food... <laughs> I think whoever controls our food controls us. So there's social justice aspects. There's wellness aspects. There's community aspects. So we owe it to ourselves, yes, to be plant-based, but also for everyone in the community to get a better sense of who grows our food and to support those people. I started as a journalist. I had a syndicated column that started in the Mining Herald. I was Huffington Post's Meatless Monday blogger for seven years. Um, This was just when Green was starting. And my editor said, she contacted me like three months in and she said, wow, I didn't think there were so many ways you could encourage people to go meatless. Oh, yeah. And I kept it going for seven years, like I said, Uh, every week. I like to structure things like, "Okay, here's what's going on in the world. Here's what you can do about it if you want to act. And at the very least, here is a great thing you can make for dinner that you can support and nourish yourself and give your mouth a good time. So one way or another, I've been doing that for years now and I love to do it. But I think the more involved I've gotten in food, I've gone from author to advocate. You can tell I'm kind of (laughs) fired up about this. Uh, And one thing I'd love to say to give um, SoFlo Vegans a plug, I have vegan friends in other communities and I hear like there's a lot of backbiting, like the wellness vegans versus the animal rights vegans. And I have never, ever felt that here. For one thing, I don't think we have that kind of time. And South Florida, as crazy as it is, we're very supportive of each other. So yay team.
1: And and, and, and I'm glad you said that. I mean, that's definitely one of the the aspects that I love about South Florida. I've been uh South Floridian my entire life and been involved in multiple industries, from education to music to the arts. And one of the, th- one of the advantages I see for this community is that we are so diverse, um, from, even from geography, from, you know, all mm-hmm. over the world, all congregated in one place. So that creates a lot of different ecosystems that don't necessarily come together, but depending on who you are, there's something for you. So the opportunity that I saw with um, SoFlo Vegans is being able to create a web between all of these different communities within the vegan space and showcase it to the world. That's why our mission is to make South Florida a global hotspot for veganism. Because while we may believe that that's what it is, it's more about the perception of how other people see us Mm You know, it's like saying, you know, my mom thinks I'm the greatest. <laughs> you, know, so, you know, it may be true, but you know, that's other people can see that for themselves. So, my take my background in media and make that happen. So, what really uh, resonates with me, with you, when I've heard your story and have seen you over the years, is the fact that you do have that background. You do have that storytelling background because, at its heart, you know, journalism is storytelling, be able to tell a story and connect with people. How has that played a role in how you see community?
0: Oh, well, first of all, you know how potent storytelling is. I've never been like, you know, I have done investigative pieces and it, it's great to work my muscle, but storytelling to me is where it's at. Um, it changes something in our brain If I say, okay, um, America has one of the highest obesity rates, that's top of brain, that's analytical. But if I say, hey, I'm going to tell you a story about someone who totally changed his life and totally changed the way he eats, that does something different to you. That sort of stimulates something in the brain that makes you engaged. That's what to me the soulfulness of my work is, to take something big and make you care about it, make it on a personal level. So I love being able to do that in one form or another, whether it's my cooking classes or my presentations or uh, my videos and always, always in my writing. I like to do that. I do like to have that connection with people. And food is a great connector too.
1: So in terms of the South Florida community, how important is it for people to be able to effectively communicate their story so that people get it? What role does that play in being able to grow your community? When I say community, that applies to businesses, nonprofit organizations, relationships between two people. It's, that's all falls into that.
0: What a story is, is creating that connection. It is creating that web of people and businesses so that it's not one thing. You see that it's all these things and it's very compelling and you wanna be part of it. Yeah, it's, it's,
1: it's, it's a lot of fun when you can connect with other people who are on the same path as you. You know, you're able to discover new things about yourself by seeing yourself in other people. That sounds that Ubuntu, you know, I see you philosophy of, of instead of looking at and embracing, not embracing, but focusing on the differences, it's looking at what we have in common. And from there growing and building that community that can make a change in this planet. And I know that you're doing that with several organizations down here in South Florida. Um, If you wanted to talk a little bit more into into that, I would love to share that with our audience.
0: Oh, thank you. That is a great opportunity. Um, You are amazing by yourself. I am amazing by myself. Whoever's listening, you got it going on too. But the thing is, we cannot move the needle one person at a time. It really does take all of us. I'm a writer um, and so a lot of what I do is sit in an office, which is often my living room uh, and, you know, crank out the content and it's very exciting. But man, when I can reach outside of myself, Uh, We have some amazing organizations here that do wonderful work. I have done work with Urban Oasis Project. In fact, I just wrote about them for Huffington Post Food. Um, Not only does Urban Oasis Project run a lot of local farmers markets, they developed a real advocacy arm, if you will. getting people to, um, getting food to people in need, really building our own local community. I'm also involved with uh, an an international organization. It's got a very funny French name, Les Dames Descoffiers. It's Women in the Culinary Field. And I am vice chair of the Green Tables Committee, which is trying to make that connection from who grows our food, to where it winds up, to really get people engaged with the process of understanding our food system and advocating for it. We can all, wherever we're at, play more of a role in that and be part of this great, fantastic web of community.
1: When it comes to the food that we put into our bodies, I see that as a challenge for a lot of people. It's, you know, it's one thing to make the shift and go vegan or plant-based, but it's another thing to do it for your health. Because I'm thinking back even when, before I was vegan, almost like I looked at eating healthy the same way I looked at it as going vegan. It's like, oh, yeah, I, I prefer just to have my Burger King or whatever advice was. I know a lot of it is intrinsic in nature, but what could someone do, especially if they have a family member, that is, and especially now, you know, people who may be concerned with a family member that may not be have, that may not be eating the best way in regards to improving or maintaining a, pop, a strong immunity system. What advice would you give to them?
0: Uh, that is a great question. Um, that really, the title of my book, which won Veg News's Book of the Year, is called "Feeding the Hungry Ghost." Life, faith, and what to eat for dinner. I got the subtitle because, you know, I'm obviously very passionate about our food system and the choices we make. And I gave this great talk at, at Fairchild Tropical Garden a couple of years ago. And I really felt like I was seeing audience members nod and, like, and, you know, we were asking questions at the end. And one guy said, Well, you know, change your life. Is all very nice, but what do I eat for dinner? Uh, and that's really where it always comes back to. Uh, and when I coach people, I went vegan. I went vegetarian quickly when I was 13 because I love animals and I wanted to piss off my parents, and it worked. <laughs> uh, but the more I learned about the food system as a writer, moving entirely to vegan came over a period of time. So I'm a big believer in the rule of one, whether it's for yourself or someone you love, instead of overwhelming them. And honey, we are all overwhelmed now. (laughs) Think of one change you can make a week, one more meatless meal, one more fresh vegetable. Um, Maybe check out our local farmer's markets, Urban Oasis Project, There's an online called Farmer's Markets to Go and see if you can connect with our community and get some wellness into you. I'm crazy about fresh fruits and vegetables and we're in November. So we are just coming into our great growing season. So maybe connect that way. One more fresh fruit or vegetable that will keep you in sort of restoring you to the rhythm of the seasons. Seasonal and local were huge buzzwords when I started writing, but they are really much more than that. I think the earth is much smarter than we are, even though we've given the planet a hard time lately with climate change, which is man-made whether you believe it or not. But the foods that we grow in the summer, gosh, we grow beautiful tropical fruits that are hydrating and sweet and and light and keep us feeling energized in the summer. And now we're seeing like heartier greens and winter squashes. Yeah, we have um, pumpkin even in South Florida, guys. Um, Those are foods that will really support you in the harder months. So yeah, Pay attention to the earth. She's paying attention to you.
1: So, so you brought up you brought up um, something pretty interesting that I I haven't even really tapped into. Um, it's in sort of a selling point of South Florida: the fact that we have a unique the the, the climate, the fact that we're going into our like you mentioned our growing season, like the best time for our growing season, while most places are like everything is dying. Um, is, is there any other place in the United States that has a similar climate or similar sort of, um, you know, environments to grow fruits of, um, these fruits and vegetables? And if so, like, I'm interested in where.
0: Um, as you get, you know, as you move north, Georgia and Tennessee can do some of it, but man, they get a lot colder than we do. Um, so no, South Florida is unique. Um, when Marjorie Stoneman Douglas said there is no other everglades on Earth, she wasn't joking. We have to preserve what is unique here. Um, we are very aware of climate change. We are ground zero for rising tides. Sometimes streets are flooded and there hasn't even been a rain. It's just king tides. I One of the reasons I love telling stories, is it makes people care. So I know you guys care about where you live. So protect what makes it wonderful.
1: And what are some of, you know, you look at climate change and it just feels like an atlas carrying the world on Mm his shoulder. What, let's start with one. What could someone do to feel like they're moving in a direction where they're making an impact?
0: Go for a meatless meal, go for a vegan meal, that really dials down our carbon. So that is one hugely impactful thing you can do and feed yourself well too. Um, I'm sort of uh, an eco geek. I have a compost um, bin in my backyard. I try and repurpose everything. But there, you know, wherever you're at, there is a very positive action you can take. Have you ever thought of growing a little of your own food, even sprouting? We have a couple great sprout companies here who have converted um, like um, container trucks into um, hydroponic gardens. Um, um, fully fresh, you can buy your own organic seeds and sprout and you don't need dirt, you don't even need direct sun. You can just do it in your windowsill and in a couple days, you'll have some of your own food. You'll have grown it yourself. How geeky and wild is that?
1: Wow, okay, that's pretty interesting because I for a long time have thought about doing that. And I didn't really have the space, but now I have like a little patio as you're saying, as you're saying what you're just saying, I'm looking at my patio. I'm like, I'm starting to eat more fruits and veggies in my diet. Like, why not grow my own food, you know, and get into that. And that can, so I'm, so that what you just said sparked something in me. So I'm hoping that people listening and spark something in them too, to do it. Um, and then going back to kind of like what we're, you know, what, our gift is to the community is show showing, not showing an expert doing it, but like maybe just as an individual, show showing my experience. You know, going to Fully Fresh or going to one of these places that you recommend and and getting the seeds and figuring out. You know, what do I need? Like, right, I I'm starting from grounds. I'm from ground zero. So to support me. What would you, how would I get started? Like right now, my next step would be to Google. So where would be the best resource for me to get started growing my own fruits and vegetables for my patio? Um, There
0: are, again, um, there are some great places here. Uh, Fully Fresh, in fact, I'm doing a how to grow your own sprout video for them. Um, Ready to grow gardens. Um, Little River Co-op, I just got some of my fall gar- uh, garden seeds and seedlings from them. We have great dedicated organic growers. Um, Margie Pekarski from Bee Heaven Farm, she is like an organic pioneer here. She has um, her CSA, that's community-sponsored agriculture. Um, uh, we have several um, farmers collectives that do that because we don't have huge space. So farmers kind of work together as a collective, like Worden Farm is going to have this ready and harpkey Farm is going to have this ready. So a community sponsored agriculture means you pay for the season of produce growing uh, and every week you can get what has just been picked. That is so exciting. Every week you get a new delight. So if you wanna, that's one great way you can do something great for the community, your environment and yourself.
1: So you have a lot of experience speaking and talking about um, the plant-based lifestyle and all aspects of it. What does a day, in your life look like in terms of the food that you prepare? I'm um, an average day, obviously each day is different, but on a typical day, what what does it look like for you?
0: Uh, I often get the question, you know, what's your favorite recipe? What do you like best to make? I'm promiscuous. Uh, and I always start with what's in season. That drives what I'm gonna do in the kitchen. The day usually starts with coffee. That might be one constant, but um, I just did for um, Jane Velez Mitchell's Lunch Break Live. Um, I wanted to do a um, to give a sense of tropical flavors, even though most of the world is now moving into fall. So I did a quinoa recipe with some coconut and mango and lime that's very warming. It has Uh, turmeric, which is a great Ayurvedic body balancer. And I did it in 15 minutes. And um, tonight I have already made a big um, pot of bean and okra soup from uh, the okra came right from my um, CSA. So yeah, I'm very driven by what the earth provides.
1: And what are your thoughts on products like beyond meat and impossible foods, like what role do you see that playing in in this entire um, community?
0: I sort of think of them as training wheels. If they are what get you to try something vegan and plant-based, I am totally all for it. Uh, I tend not to eat a lot of processed food, but anything that gets you engaged that satisfies that mouthfeel and flavor and craving, I think it is a great thing. So yes, it's not for me, but it may be for you, and I want you to try it. There are, as you say, a lot of different brands now. So find the one you like.
1: And I'm going to give you this moment to talk about anything that maybe we haven't had a conversation about. And then um, from there, we're going to wrap up the the conversation. But I just want to make sure I gave you the opportunity to to say what's on your mind, to speak directly to our community. Uh, so this is the floor is yours. Anything that you wanted to share? Um, here's your opportunity.
0: Oh, thank you. Um, I have found that I am I adore my vegan community, and I find them very vibrant. But I also find I attract a lot of vegan curious, or like, what's this about? Can I even do it? And I want to tell you that yes, you can. (laughs) Um, I also teach conscious cooking and mindful eating. It always does come back to the kitchen for me. And I think having just a few kitchen basics is really going to put you in good stead and make us a little more mindful, a little more engaged in the process. I used to say, you know, if you want to stick it to the man, learn how to cook. But it's a basic life skill. And I think some of COVID absolutely caught us short. It's like, oh, no, I um, what if I can't go out to eat? This is a very important way you can take care of yourself. And I love Uh, In to teach conscious cooking and mindful eating. So if I can be as a resource to you, like SoFlo Vegans has been to me, I am all for it. I hope you guys reach out to me.
1: And if they wanted to reach out to you, what's the best way to do that?
0: I'm at soulfulvegan.com. I'm at my name on Instagram, Ellen Canner. And I will get back to you when we can do something together, something delicious and plant-based.
1: And I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak to our community well, to your community, all of our community. And you know, I I'm coming across a lot of people in my life that are interested. Like you just mentioned, they're they're curious. veg they're called veg come veg friendly because they're not a complete no and they're not ready mm-hmm. so that's that's really what when we're looking at so vegans and how we can do the greatest good reach the largest um, group of people to share the message of veganism I'm looking at that community because I, I feel I've experienced burnout within a lot of um long-term long-term vegans so they're they're not necessarily ones you know going to an encounter um workshop or listening to earthling ed or listening to all the people that are out there they they feel like they have it the,
0: the, know, I, But no um it is a very dynamic and evolving thing for me when i started as a vegan writer the real focus was health and that really really matters particularly now as we're trying to protect our bodies but there are many flavors of vegan and to me they are all delicious i get so much from connecting with SoFlow vegans because it gives me a different point of view Um, I really wish I had a better business model. So I think the way you guys do things has a lot of smarts. I get a lot of spark and energy from from this community. And so I urge you guys to all be part of your own community or maybe even tiptoe into being veg friendly or veg curious to see what's out there.
1: I love that. I love that. It's 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 getting perspective, you know, looking at, like, for me, it's like, list, I love just having conversations, and I even love more to just listen to people unfiltered, you know, just like, because I, I find a lot of people, um, not everybody, especially in the vegan community, you find it less, but people um, listen, uh, what is it to call? They, they're waiting for well. their turn. And for me, I love the opposite of just listening because there's so much to learn from another person's experience because the way they see the world is so unique to them. Um, so so going, being able to have conversations with someone who is not vegan to me right now is where it's at because I'm I'm a little far, I'm a little removed from not having been vegan.
2: Mm-hmm. So it's
1: a bit refresher to say, okay, this is the type of stuff I get to create because yes I'm servicing that portion of the the population but at the same time like you 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 mentioned a little there are vegans who could use that information as well so if you're distilling it in such a way that someone can get it without having years of experience to the content that's out there I feel like that can hit on uh, that can connect with anybody regardless if they've been vegan for 30 plus years or if they just went vegan so I mean, I think there's it's a it's somewhere in that middle that harmony between I guess what it is it's, it's compassion, you know what I mean for me it's 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 coming from a place of understanding rather than judgment, and I feel that can get lost when you're when you're swept up in the passion of what you're standing for, not with everybody and and that I do experience that at times.
0: I sort of think as this journey, I always like to bring things back to sex too. It's like, you know, maybe when you're a kid you hear about sex and it just seems like this big, mysterious and kind of strange thing. And then you experience it and it's like, oh yeah, it really is all that. So um I urge you to have a great first time with us because we will not only be your great first time. This is a lifelong relationship, and it's fun, and it's delicious. Spotlight commencing in five, four, three, two, one.
3: This is Tori Washington, and I'm here with Soul Flow Vegans, flowing like a river.
1: Now, give us a little bit about a little bit about your background into being part of the vegan community.
3: So. <clears throat> Very interesting story. You know, it's interesting that you asked me that question because I was talking to one of my clients today and we were discussing, you know, things about my background and my history. Because a lot of times I held back on things just to kind of keep giving people a little bit here and a little bit there because my background is can be almost considered radical, mm. where people would look at it like, ooh. I did not know that about Tory. That's very interesting. So I was raised Seventh-day Adventist. And Seventh-day Adventist is a religious belief where we they practice worship on Saturdays. And Saturday is the Sabbath. It starts from Friday at 6 p.m. or whenever the sun sets mm-hmm. to sunset Saturday night. And during this time, you're not supposed to work. You're only supposed to worship, go to church, you know, And typically, the mainstay of the nutrition intake for Seventh-day Adventists is supposedly vegetarian, Mm. based on the biblical beliefs in the Bible, if you believe in that. So this all saying all that to say, my mother raised us strictly with that vegetarian lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And so that led me down to this path of the label now we know as known as vegan. Because I took from, from that point when I moved from Alabama to Jamaica, you know, I learned a little bit more about the Rastafarian culture. And then I moved back to South Florida even more so because a lot of my and a lot of my friends were Jamaican and we started hanging together in high school and we started to grow our locks. Mm. More so for fashion because, you know, we just wanted to be In the now, you know, the fashion was to grow little locks on the top, have like a blowout of locks on the top and shaved around the sides. But we started reading more, reading more into Rastafari and and one of our friends, his dad was a Rasta. He didn't have his locks anymore, but he was working within corporate America. So at that time, to have locks in certain countries was considered very evil. Mm -hmm. You know, it was to the point where they would shoot you on sight just because Rasta was considered the, the the type of person that will go against modern man, you know, because Rasta's whole history was not to be oppressed. We're lions. We don't bow down to nobody. Mm-hmm. Like, just because you say professionalism is clean cut, no hair, da-da-da, whose definition of professionalism is it? You know, you, you've come up with your own definition. We don't agree with that.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So, understanding that whole history studying it and seeing that rasta live more of an ital lifestyle you know ital is natural mm-hmm. meaning ital is vital we live we eat from the earth especially from the the bobo shanti rasta that lived in the in the bushes in jamaica but a lot of what i started to find out is although you have the differences with certain rastas but you had some rastas who still ate fish still ate chicken and even though they still consider themselves Rasta they were still hail Impra, salacie and you know Marcus Gavi and mm-hmm. all them things but I didn't want to when I really found out that what I thought truly was to see that rastas weren't actually following that mm-hmm. made me feel more of a hypocrite to actually call myself a rasta but still you know partaking items that may contain eggs in it or butter or what have you mm-hmm. there's still some type, some form of not eating from the earth. And so in 1998, I decided to say, you know what? I'm just going to cut all that out. And now at that time, I didn't know what this vegan thing was. Even though vegan had been around since the 70s Mm -hmm. or even probably earlier than that, in this country, in this day and age, everything has a label. And so in order for you to be lumped into a group, we have to label it. So that way we can understand it more by giving you a label and then put a definition to it. Mm -hmm. And I feel that that's a, asinine way to do things, to always put a definition to a group of people so that you can separate them from everyone else when in this time we should be wanting to come together. Yeah. So i never forget the first time I really, truly got tested for being vegan. I was in Atlanta at a veg fest, and I was standing at a food truck about to get some food. It's cold. You know, this is Georgia... Alabama is north. It was in September, November, November timing. Mm. You know, so it's cold. It can snow there. It can get ice in Georgia. So I had on my Tim's, nice jacket, mm-hmm. whatever. And this lady next standing next to me in line says, are your shoes vegan? Mm-hmm. And I was so confused. Like, what are you talking about? I'm not going to eat my shoes.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, that's to me, I was like, what? Are my shoes vegan? I'm not eating them. Because to me, I looked at vegan or that lifestyle as what you took in what mm-hmm. you consume for your bodily performance. So, from that point on, I was just it was just a learning process for me, learning more about the lifestyle, understanding it and taking out the parts that I didn't really agree with, which was people considering it a diet.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
3: hey man, what what's your diet? Because to me, I look at diet as even if you just break down the word and say it in its the way it is, the D-I-E-T, it sounds like you're saying, I'm ready to die. Mm. So, but die yet? I'm not ready to die yet. Mm. I'm ready to just continue to thrive and live. You know okay. what I mean? So, that's where I became part of the vegan movement. But my, I guess, exposure came mm-hmm. when I started to compete. Because I had always been into bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. And that came up because the whole transition from Florida, from Alabama to Jamaica. Now, mind you, I'm a country person. I say country because I'm coming from Alabama, so the accent is real country.
2: Mm
3: -hmm. I didn't know that at the time. I'm young. I moved to Jamaica. I go to school in Jamaica. What are the kids going to (laughs) do? They're going to pick on you. Because they're thinking, why does he sound like that? What's wrong with him? And so me and my brother got picked on pretty often
2: Mm -hmm.
3: and we internalized it because there was no way to externally release that frustration. Mm -hmm. So I internalized this anger and actually it made me quite angry. And I remember a lot of times breaking pencils, putting my head under my desk, doing things outside of school just to kind of release that frustration. And I think that's what took me into lifting weights. I started Mm -hmm. doing push-ups and doing different things in my grandfather's backyard because I wanted to, look like Wolverine and Superman, in a sense, and have that strength and that power. If you think about it, look at the two. Superman is just very powerful, mm-hmm. very strong, but his personality is one of calm, mm-hmm. whereas Wolverine yeah. is fluffed, flip opposite. So I'm kind of both of them, in a sense, because I looked at Wolverine at, don't make me mad. I will, like, there's been times where I had to just stop myself because I know if I continued on with something out of anger, mm-hmm. I would black out. And I don't know what would happen to that person or that individual that caused that anger. So, the bodybuilding came up and I started to really get into lifting. And I moved to, when we moved back to South Florida, I remember my mother bought me a bench and a dumbbell.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: And I started to work out with that. And I started working out with a friend in middle school and then he decided to truly take it on to that level of competing. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, but I was thinking, we're, we're like 16 we're competing. What are you talking about? I didn't realize that, you know, there's teen competitions. And to this day, I don't know whatever happened to Richard Tarico. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, I don't even know if he still competes or what he's doing. But that change moved me into, you know, I, once I started to, I kept working out in high school, reading magazines, studying about bodybuilding, how it worked, and how to build your physique. And what made me learn how to build that physique was I started watching Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. Mm. Got into Commando and The Predator and saw that how he built his physique was off of bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. So I started reading more of his stuff. And honestly, I was reading this stuff and not really saying, okay, I need to eat this amount of protein. It was just kind of like, just eat, what you need to do in order to build build muscle. Because, you know, it wasn't so scientifically focused back then.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And graduated high school, still working out, went to college, working out. And about 2008, one of my friends from South Florida, we were talking and he contacted me and he said, hey, one of our boys is, he's competing now. And I was truly surprised. This mm-hmm. surprised me because I never thought he would actually compete.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So he ended up Moving to Atlanta, and he had a competition in Atlanta, and I was in Alabama, so it was about an hour and a half drive. Mm-hmm. I decided to attend his competition. And Sean seeing him on stage, and then he won a pro card that day after he had been competing for a long time.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: He got off stage, and I saw his body, dude. Like I was in the, we were all in his room. He was he took a shower. He came out. I said, "Damn, <laughs> he looks like a superhero." chiseled abs everything was in, you know in place and i said okay i want to compete wow that moment gave me that decision to say you know what i just want to compete i want i don't want to end my life saying i wish i had done it mm-hmm. because i think so many of us do things we don't do things in life and by the end of it we say man i wish i did this mm-hmm. Oh, i wish i had done that i don't want i didn't want to end my life saying i wish i had mm-hmm. and so i said to him I want to compete. And he said to me, you're vegan. I said, and? I didn't think it mattered because I thought I looked amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, I had muscle on me. I looked good for a, a guy that's, you know, just in the gym. Now I didn't know the whole, what it took in order to get on stage. That's why I asked him, mm-hmm. you know, to help me. He said, um, well, this is what you're going to do. Tell me what you're eating. And when he saw what I was eating and how I looked, he mm-hmm. was, actually quite surprised because he said, how are you so lean but eating that? Mm-hmm. Because it was still, you know, being a college student, just bachelor in, in the workforce, you, you're pretty much just getting stuff you can warm up. So I was getting vegan deli slices, vegan burritos, you know, eating tofu in a skillet, you know, doing things like that, just simple stuff, just to kind of fill my stomach. And so I can go work out, drink more water. I wasn't drinking enough water. I was drinking water, but not that much. Mm -hmm. Because I didn't really, I never drank anything else. I wasn't into drinking sodas, juices, and stuff of that nature. So once I did my first show, Sean, in 2009, I got third place. Mm -hmm. And to me, that was an accomplishment because I was on stage with about nine guys. And I said, damn, okay, this vegan just got third place out of all of these people. That was your first time? First time. Wow. And I asked the judges, I said, okay, how come I didn't get like second? Because I, I, when the first place guy walked into the bathroom, Sean, mm-hmm. we all knew he was first place. Mm-hmm. He walked in and we were like, is he going to be in my class? <laughs> I, I hope not. He looks taller than me because, you know, it was based off of height. And so I was thinking he wasn't going to be in my class, but he ended up in my class. Mm-hmm. And he ended up winning that division, that class that day. But the second place guy, I was kind of concerned, and I talked to the judge, and the judge told me, because I wasn't flexing my legs long enough, Mm -hmm. like, my conditioning wasn't there. Conditioning is how you look, and also, you're conditioning with how long you can hold something Mm
2: -hmm.
3: for a certain amount of time. I know it's the same thing. So, how to hold that pose. So, I had to learn how to hold my poses for longer, because the judges are constantly looking at everybody. And so if they look at someone, they look good for a second and they come back to you and you're not, Mm they like think, oh, damn. Because I just, I could have just relaxed too much. And that's what he told me. He told me I wasn't standing on my legs, meaning I wasn't flexing my legs long enough to Mm -hmm. showcase that I did look better. And I learned from that day, oh, I'm going to pose my ass off and I'll be ready for the next time. And so that next time around, it was a different show. Six months later, but similar judges, I ended up winning my class, oh, wow. more guys, and I ended up winning the entire competition because the entire competition won by the overall.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: The guy had to go up against, the guy of each class goes up against each other,
2: mm-hmm. and
3: that person is the overall winner that wins out of all of those guys. And I was me. Oh, wow. And I got my first pro card that day, and I was like, okay, I think I found out what I like doing. And all because I saw someone else do it, mm-hmm. and I said, I didn't want to end my life with, I wish I had.
1: We want to thank you so much for listening to this episode. We want to thank Ellen Canner and also give another thank you to Tori Washington. Cause that's the clip that we featured in this episode. It only made sense that we've put two residents of South Florida on the same show. Now, if you want to Support Soflow Vegans. There are a number of ways you can do it, but the easiest way is share our content, like, share, leave comments. This helps the algorithms. This helps people discover what we're creating, so we can continue to grow our audience. So that's the easiest way. Another way that you can do it is by going to soflowvegans.com checking out everything that we have going on. All of our content is put into one place. We've been creating videos and podcasts and articles and events since 2016. And you can ca- almost see a time capsule of what's been happening in the South Florida v- vegan community, the SoFlo vegan community since then. But there are ways that you can support by volunteering, by becoming a member, and all of these contributions help us continue to grow and create a sustainable platform that's going to support the entirety of South Florida. Because one thing I want to make clear is even though we have memberships and partnerships, we, we're taking a different model than most media outlets. We're not just going to support the people that are, you know, paying a monthly Partnership, our quarterly partnership. Our goal is to spotlight what's happening here in South Florida, and that goes for everybody. So, in order, in order to do that, we do need your support. So, check us out, and if you have any questions, you want to reach out, maybe you, you know, want to contribute to the podcast. Email us at contact at soulflowvegans s o f l o vegans We would love to hear from you, even if you just want to give feedback for the podcast i would love to hear that as well so until our next episode we are going to be continue to come out weekly until we wrap up season five and yeah thank you for listening and we look forward to seeing you next time